Hey guys, we have Jacob Carrier on the show again today talking about um, his model that he created for betting on the game of baseball. He's going to talk a little bit about his best day and his worst day with his model and also how he stacks up against his competition. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bases Loaded Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy, and we are going to be talking with Jacob Carrier again. Um, If you remember Jacob Carrier's episode, uh, he discussed his model for betting on the game of baseball and his love for the game of baseball all the way from a a child up until now. Um, Jacob, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. We're recording on a Saturday, which in the DoorDash circles is a pretty eventful day and a lot, a lot of tips. So I can't complain about that. How, I was say, how is DoorDash going? There, I try, I try not to let it get to me that this is a pretty f- big fall from grace for me. Over the course of the final seven weeks of the baseball season last year, I placed over a half a million dollars worth of wagers in that time span. And now I'm delivering McDonald's and Chipotle to people. And one time I got tipped with a literal bag of nickels. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm at the cloud nine, but I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> how many nickels were there? It was, it was enough that I didn't want to count. So I, so they were generous. It, it was, it was, a, it was more than a handful. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, you remember your good days, your bad days, and the weird days, I guess. But um, how did you? How did you get the? How long have you been doing DoorDash? So I really, it was once we started to see the writing on the wall with this whole virus. I I realized I can't get a job in an office because no one's going to be hiring. No one's even going to be bringing people into an office, and I just. I have a two. I have a 2005 Ford Ranger, so no Uber, but there wasn't going to be Uber anyway. And I figured DoorDash, why not? It's I because I'm in Shelby right now, and Mansfield actually has a pretty good presence for it. So, you know, it's it's not bad work. See, that's that's the thing, man. I I, I feel like with the you know contactless delivery, that's great for the customer, but that just that prevents you from having better stories, but. You talked about how basically driving all over the place for DoorDash, that's giving you a lot of time to, to think about your model. Yeah, because uh, that's the other good thing with, I guess, call it a good thing with the whole shutdown. Uh, now, last year, I was using version two of the gambling model. Version one, I never actually used, but version two, I made some improvements. I, I, I had a literal math error somewhere in there, things like that. And I had version three of the model ready to go for this season. And I, that was around mid-March where I was getting that cleaned up. And then with the shutdown, I, realistically, I have no excuse to say I have no time for anything because I have all the time in the world. And I've, what I, when I'm driving to different customers, or because you're always 10 minutes to get to so-and-so's house and it's hard to listen to a podcast when you're constantly interrupting yourself. And I just think about new ways to improve the model. And I have right now I have versions four and five mapped out conceptually. I haven't really tested them, so I can't 
confirm that they're better, but it there's I wouldn't say there's there's not really a big chance they'll be worse simply because it's like, listen, if I'm getting a stronger microscope, I don't really need to look at things to know that I'm going to be able to see things more closely. It's kind of that, that science that I'm working with. Okay. So when you talk about uh, the first version or, or the first model that you did, like, so what were you, what did you do before you actually put it into play, you know, betting on actual games? How long did you sit on the first, model i i had the first model the first model so i launched in july of 2019 the first model i had wrapped up pretty good in march of 2019 and then the thing was though that was all designed to look at the 2018 season and in order to roll it forward to look at the 2019 season i was already having to make changes which meant i just had to review the model and make sure I was adding, you know, making sure all the wires are connected correctly, so to speak. And that's where I just found some things where I said, oh, wow, I totally messed up this calculation. And it was able, the first model I tested at about 57% accuracy. And the second one got me up to 59%, which we can get into that in a little bit, but 2% jump in gambling is pretty significant. Was there a specific percentage that you were looking at before you went live with it? Yes. In, in gambling, when I should say in sports betting, in sports betting specifically, this is not to say blackjack or slots or whatever, the, you have to know the casino or the sports book is always going to take a little piece of the pie. It doesn't matter if you bet $1 or a million dollars, they're going to take a little slice of that. And because of that, you – you can't just say I need to win 50% of my games to break even because they're going to take a little bit of the money. So if I bet a hundred dollars, I'm not, if I win, even with the most favorable standard issued betting line, I'm only going to get about $95 in profit. So I'm not going to double what I put down and the accepted win percentage based on betting lines they say you need to win 52.4% of your games. If you win at least that much, you're breaking even, which means, of course, that's the thing. That's why it's so hard. You can't even get half right. You have to get more than half right. Wow. So, so let's get into, you know, the actual model a little bit, a little bit more in, in the analytics and the numbers and all that stuff, because um, you've obviously spent a ton of time on this. You talked about, uh, you know, the new models, you know, coming out in the near future and what you're going to tweak with that. I mean, what, what are we looking at here? Is this like a overly large Excel spreadsheet? Like, what, what are you doing with this? I will not disclose that purely because <laughs> my my take, the biggest, so we talked about Moneyball a little bit last time I was on. Yeah. Moneyball, it's a genius idea the Oakland A's had. They were winning 100 games a year. And then Billy Bean, they Michael Lewis came in and said, "Hey, Billy Bean, can we talk about this Moneyball thing you're doing? Sure. Can we? Can I write a book about it? Sure." And that was those books were on all the bookshelves, and all the Red Sox did was went to Barnes and Noble and said, "Huh, this is something. This we run a baseball team. We can do this." <laughs> and you know what's harder? It, you think the Oakland A's were doing a good job with Moneyball? Imagine doing Moneyball when you had the payroll of the Red Sox. And that's so they shot themselves in the foot and the Oakland A's lost sure. their standing. So I am refusing to 
put myself in that same dilemma. I'll talk about things that I that are generally common knowledge, but as far as how I specifically software programming, baseball math, I'll talk about gambling math, but baseball math, no. That's that's going to be in a black box. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry world. Love it. That that so that is for you and your your DoorDash mind throughout the day every day. Yeah, the people I'm handing the Chipotle to have no idea who's talking to them. So <laughs> now I will I will say as a as a way to view the model, I come from an accounting and finance background, and I don't use typical gambling or gambling terminology. I try to compare it to how I would compare an investment product. And here's some fun numbers. And I will say, I don't have very far historical numbers on how the model would perform, strictly because casinos do not publish historical betting lines. The reason being, they know people like me would swoop in there and crunch numbers and kill them later on. So you have to capture the gambling lines on the day they came out. So I wasn't doing that for 2018, so I don't have reliable data on 2018. But for when I launched the model from July 4th and used it through the end uh, of September 29th, if you took $1,000 and used it to the prescription that I had, because I tested a few different bankroll methods, and a bankroll is just how much money you're gambling with and how you choose to wager that money. And I, I, I tested a few different ones, and I came up with one I liked. So if you use the one that I ended up liking the best, you would have turned $1,000 on July 4th into $3,700 by the end of September, just three months. Wow. Yes, very wow. And to add to the wowness of it, I let's say, and this is as of market close on Thursday, if you bought $1,000 worth of stock in Amazon, if you wanted it to turn into $3,700, you would have had to buy that stock back on May of 2016. So basically, four, holy smokes. Yeah, almost four years ago. If you bought it in Apple stock, you're talking April 2014. Google stock, January of 2013. If you bought it in Ford, the car company, you would have had to buy $1,000 worth of shares back in 1982 for it to be $3,700 today. And that's. The- <laughs> <laughs> and that's without inflation and all that malarkey. Uh, here's another. Now, this is where we're getting really nerdy. I, I'm sorry, audience, but this is what you signed up for. So <laughs> we know about hedge funds. We, we, may, we may not know a lot, but we know hedge funds are the crazy ones. They use more advanced tactics, advanced type of trades. They don't just buy stock. They'll do, you've heard of derivatives or options and they do, they do those more complex maneuvers. The most successful hedge fund in the United States, if not the world is Renaissance. And one of their funds is called the medallion fund. The Renaissance medallion fund is, it beats Warren Buffett's uh, company. It beats all these guys, companies. You would have had to put $1,000 with them back in 2015 to get $3,700 today. So I'm beating hedge funds. And the last one, we talk about before the market crash, everyone was saying the stock market was in the longest bull market in history. You would have had to put $1,000 into the S&P 500 back in 2009 
do it in the best bull run market in U.S. history, it still would have taken over a decade to do what I did in three months. Jeez, oh, Pete. So, wow. <laughs> uh, so, so three months. So, obviously, besides, you know, the, the actual income part, um, just the competitiveness of you, this whole shutdown thing's got to be driving you nuts, right? It's it's hurting. I part part of the issue is uh I I I shouldn't say issue. I love you, mom, but I'm living with mom right now, and I should. It's we're not alone. There's five cats with us in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought my life would be playing out a little bit differently at this point, uh, <laughs> but it's. The competitiveness, one of the reasons why it's getting at me, there are, because one of the things is I knew, I clearly the model works. It, it just does. And based off all my simulations, I'm confident, even if I were lucky last year, it would mean that instead of getting the 59% accuracy I had in 2019, I may have gotten 57.5%, which is still really good. And you're still going to make a ton of money with those margins. And I, what I did during a lot of the off season, I started researching, just saying, okay, who are the other pro sports betters? How good are they? Are they even willing to tell me how good they are? And I have three names for you. And I don't, so have you ever, there's 538, Billy Walters and James Holzauer. We can do you know who James Holzauer is? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Let's start with him. James Holzauer, uh, for those who don't recall his last name, Jeopardy James. He was the sports better who was on Jeopardy last year and broke all the records except for the longest win streak and the most amount of money won. But even – Yeah, stupid smart, stupid yeah. smart. And I won't question that he would wipe me in, on the floor with Jeopardy. I'm pretty decent at Jeopardy, but – I mean, I'm not even the best in my family. My brother, who I talked about being a smarty pants last episode, he actually almost qualified for Jeopardy. He made it to the second round. <laughs> so I'm not the I'm not even the best in the house with that. But James, I started looking at all his interviews because he was getting a lot of interviews and just seeing where was he talking about the sports betting. And he was kind of shy about getting into specifics which I respect because he know he knew that there are people like me listening. And the thing is though, you, some of the ways that he talks about his baseball betting and the types of bets that he likes to do. Cause when I do my betting, I try to bet every day as many games as is feasible last year for the last seven weeks of the season, I placed bets on about 733 games and James, you can tell he was not doing that level of volume, which means that his model couldn't have been confident enough for him to engage in games every single day. I don't know. His, I don't know his actual win percentage. I know he makes good money with it, but he already came from a rich family. He had a lot of bankroll to play in the very beginning. I quest, So I'd like I'm just going to say I think I'm better than Jeopardy James. And, and baseball betting, nothing else. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> now, the next name, let's talk about 538. 538 is a analytics company that started at ESPN. If you've heard of the name Nate Silver, he was the one who started it. 538, 
this they they started up over a decade ago. They initially because their concept was what if we didn't write articles about LeBron going to the bathroom and what he was doing in there? What if we what if we actually wrote articles with numbers and facts and just kind of let the nerds have fun with it for once? And they did. And eventually they got so good at it, they expanded into reporting on economic and political trends. They hit their big publicity push, I guess, because in 2012, they predicted all 50 states correct in the presidential election. These guys aren't really slouches, I would say. However, <laughs> I'm better than them at baseball betting. The, I, I only thought to look at them. There was a game last August. I think it was August 20th or August 21st. And Houston was playing Detroit. We knew Detroit was really bad last year. We know Houston was very good. And 538 said it was the it was the most they ever they said I think they gave Houston what an 83% chance of winning and 538 said that was the biggest expected win that we ever had of any team versus any other team. And one of my friends texted that to our little group chat. He just said, "Wow, look how much 538 is expecting Houston to win." 83%. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, that's kind of close to the number I had. <laughs> and I, I looked at it and I, cause I, it's rare that my model says a team is, has a 70% chance of winning even more so to be over 70. I think I had Houston 78, 79% chance of winning. And I looked at that and I said, huh, we're, I'm kind of close to 538. What else am I close with them with? And I was tracking them, and from August 16th through the end of the regular season, I picked 61.4% of games correct. 538 only picked 59.4% of games right. I beat really? – yeah. And here's the thing with 538. They are – they were so competent in what they were doing. Eventually, ABC went to ESPN and said, hey, we want to specifically buy 538 from you guys. And ABC is owned by Disney, and Disney said, we specifically want to buy the controlling share of 538. So 538 is run by the mouse. And a one-man army, wow. one army in Shelby, Ohio, whooped their butts, if I have to say so. <laughs> you're not a one-man army because you got your mother and your five cats. <laughs> I guess the little troops, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that that was one where I said, okay, I'm beating the guys who do this for the for a living. Just they analyze sure. things. I'm beating them. And the third name I mentioned was Billy Walters. Billy Walters, we need to, so Billy Walters, he's been in Las Vegas for I think, I mean, almost 50 years now. He's he's a he was from Kentucky. He used to be a used car salesman, and somehow he worked his way out to Vegas. And he became a sports better. And he was one of the pioneers for using an algorithm to bet on sports. Now, he didn't really touch baseball when you research about him. He does more football and college football, a little bit of the NBA. And he's been, he's been betting in Vegas for 40 years. And now he's a billionaire. He owns shares in some of the giant casino hotels out there. He golfs with big investment bankers. He owns golf courses. The man is an enterprise. And the thing is, of course, he's also very secretive about his data. However, the man 
he's a little crooked. He's had money laundering issues, insider trading issues. And there are court documents that had to audit his gambling processes. In doing so, they saw that in 1985, he got 58% of his picks correct. And in 2005, he got, let me think, he got 50, or sorry, he got 60% of his games correct. So the guy who's been doing it professionally for 40 years and is a billionaire and owns golf courses and casinos, he got 58% right one year and he got 60% right another year. In my first year, I got 59% right. <laughs> uh, it's, I, and I saw that and I thought, well, as long as I don't do insider trading and money laundering, I'll be good. <laughs> like, I'll be fine. <laughs> well, as I say, does, does that make you like, obviously it makes you happy, but does that make you satisfied or does that make you even more competitive? Because like you said in, in your first episode, not only are you going to get a better grade, but you're going to get finished quicker with tests. Is that something where you kind of, you know, read up on these guys and whenever they're doing something and competitively think I'm going to continue beating you and getting better. Yeah, I, I definitely am because I, the thing is I'm not done with the model. As I said, I, I finished version three to use for this season. Now, when I when I simulated the entire 2019 baseball season and I used version three instead of version two, version three got 18 more games correct. Now, I mentioned last episode I was betting over $2,000 a game by the end of the season. Think about if $2,000 a game, think of 18 times where instead of losing 2000 I'm not only keeping it, but I'm winning a profit on top of that. That That's basically a $50,000 swing, that in itself. And I have versions four and five in the work. And in theory, I have version six and seven planned out. But that's, I mean, I, I it's easier to put a man on the moon than it is to do version seven as far as I'm seeing it. So we'll see what... Allegedly. 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 We'll, we'll, see what, <laughs> we'll see where we get there. But... The it is that competitive thing. I knew I was above average in a notable sense when I went to Las Vegas the last week of September with my mom and sister. They, they, my mom and sister, they like playing slots. They have their fun with that, and they said, "Well, normally I was a stick in the mud when it came to casinos because I would just try to watch whatever basketball game was on because." Uh, I, I, I didn't want to play slots. Are you kidding me? But now that I actually had it, I was a businessman there. They said, oh, let's go to Vegas. Let's have fun. And I, it was, I think it was September 27th. It was a Wednesday. There was, based on the time zone difference, there was an Arizona Diamondbacks and St. Louis Cardinals game that started at noon, Vegas time. And I'm wearing, I, I go to the Venetian. And for those who don't know the Venetian, it's the one where you you have the, it's the, you have the, the late. What's the lazy river in Italy? The one where the guy in a striped shirt sings. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking. I, about. I am not classy enough to actually know the name of it, but it's a casino that has one in their in their casino, and it's it has all the marble fixtures and the ceiling looks like kind of that Renaissance Michelangelo. So that's the Venice, very sure. fancy, and. I go to their sports book and I'm wearing running shorts, shorty shorts, because Vegas is in the center of the of the planet in terms of 
weather. It's a million degrees. So I'm wearing shorty shorts, a Shelby Whippet cutoff shirt, and I have long curly hair and I'm wearing a headband. I look, I look like trash. And I go, Oh my God. So you're the, you're the guy right away. Everyone's like, Oh, I hate that dude. I don't, I don't know who he is. Oh yeah. (laughs) I, I, let me follow up with another story after this one then. Cause I, so I, I go up to the guy and I just say, yeah. And the, I remember it was, I wanted to bet Arizona diamondbacks money line, which the line that day was minus one Oh two. And I'll explain what that means later, but I bet $2,200 and they didn't really say anything. No, no crazy looks. And I went about my day and later on Arizona did win. So I came back to redeem the ticket. Now a minus one Oh two money line means that on a $2,200 wager, I profited about $2,000. And yeah, <laughs> well, the thing was it, you're looking at that one game. I lost money that day. Cause I bet on 10 games, but the guys Venetian <laughs> didn't know that. And I go to redeem my ticket at the Venetian and I hand the guy the slip, and it was a different worker. And he was he was probably around my age, honestly. And he looked at the ticket, and he looked at me, and he said, Dude, you're the guy. We heard there's someone who bet $2,000 on Diamondbacks today. <laughs> he was all excited. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's me. And I'm just paranoid thinking, oh, God, are they going to throw me out? <laughs> but, but he was just talking up, and I thought, wow, I stood out to him in Vegas at a fancy casino and I've had other ones where, so I was at the, the cosmopolitan and which is famous for having the big chandelier bar on the inside. If anyone's familiar Uh and I placed, I was in line at their sports book. And once again, it was that same Wednesday. So we're talking, there's a line of 30 dudes. And when you're betting on sports at 1 PM on a Wednesday, it's not exactly the top brass, (laughs) It's a lot of guys, and I'm, I'm hearing the guys in line in front of me, and they're and they're just placing these bet. Like, I want to bet on the, the Miami Dolphins, ten dollars on them. I'll bet on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, the, the fifteen on them. Just and the lady at the counter, she she just wanted to die because it's a line of all these losers rolling through here. And I and I go up and I'm sweating because I'm from out. I was just outside. I'm dressed like a slob. And I say, and I'm and I'm betting on crap games too. I'm like, I want the Detroit Tigers, and I'll bet on the White Sox, <laughs> and I'll bet uh, that's twenty two hundred dollars each. And she immediately perks up. She's like, she's like, oh, uh, and she started calling me sir. She wasn't before. <laughs> and when I came back, only one of those games won. But when I came back later, the pit boss. He saw me. He said, "Mr. Carrier, was is, was it was it Mr. Carrier? You can come over here. We'll we'll t- we'll take care of you." So I got to skip the line. Uh, <laughs> oh my! And th- God. Which that was what made me want to research all these other guys in the first place because I was thinking, if I'm considered top tier in Vegas, where aren't I considered top tier? And I'm winning too. So because. <laughs> The thing was, I didn't get when I was betting in, and this is kind of, we can transition into how mm-hmm. sports betting would look for when it, if it ever gets legalized in Ohio, because I, because Ohio is not going to be behaving like Vegas. There's not going to be giant casinos popping up, and what they, and the reason I went in Pennsylvania is they had, because when the Supreme Court said, hey, you can legalize sports betting. 
it wasn't a blanket sweep. Hey, everyone can do it right away. It's still up to the states to come up with how much you tax it, what kind of form does it take, so on. And in Pennsylvania, they have mobile sports betting. You can do it from your phone. And what that means is, so I had four casinos that I would use in Pennsylvania, and they each have an app. You download the app, put in your information, you attach your bank account. And the apps, I mean, I did 99% of my betting from my phone in the living room. It's really convenient, which I imagine can be a trouble for some people when you have that much access. But sure. it, it, it's interesting because they are geolocated. When I open my Pennsylvania casino apps in Ohio, they do not work because th what they'll say is, hey, you need to turn on your info. You need to turn on your location. Similar to if you're trying to use uh, Google Maps or Waze and you turn on your location. And if you're not in Pennsylvania, it will say, hey, you're not in Pennsylvania. We're not letting you go any further. You can't even you can't even see how much money's in your account. And it they're pretty precise because I've tried. I found a gas station that was a quarter mile over the border into Pennsylvania from Ohio. And the apps work there. They're pretty precise. And I know it, states are by far and large, they're going to be doing these mobile apps. In Tennessee, they don't even have physical casinos in Tennessee. Gambling's not allowed as you can't play blackjack slots. It doesn't exist. But they have sports betting. And it's 100% on your phone. It's mobile. It, it, it is interesting the way states are choosing to do this. It's, I mean, I don't complain. It's makes, it makes my job a lot easier. But I'm one of the few that's good at it. And I, I, that's where, in terms of an ethical morality sense, I'm actually kind of mixed on it. Because should I be encouraging an industry that inevitably is going to cause some people some pain? I don't know. But... I'm not, but it's there for me, so I'm going to keep using it. Well, yeah, and the, the thing is, though, with with what you do and how you do it, um, yours isn't so much, you know, the gambling part is it's the math and the numbers and the analytics and all the other great, awesome stuff we want to know, but you won't tell us. And I, I feel like that's that's not stressing about it all day once you make your picks am i am i correct yeah. on that it, and i think this is one of the biggest things because people when when i was first starting the bet like i said the first day i bet 750 dollars a game and i had and i had the freak out in vegas but the human spirit is resilient and it learns how to adapt i mean even brad pitt got sick of jennifer aniston at some point you know how does that happen but it does <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's it's the same thing where I, I started out betting seven fifty a game. I worked up to a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand. And I remember, I remember the first time you bump up, you, your your heart races a little bit. You're saying, "Oh boy, here we go." But after, but really after the first day or two, you get used to it. And even even days where I win a ton, I mean, the biggest days I go crazy. But there will be days where I win last year i'd win six or seven thousand dollars and i'd still be stingy about what type like should i get the cheaper thing at the grocery store i'd still be stingy about that because it just became background noise to me i you, you grow used to it and one of the reasons why i was so able to behave in such a calm fashion the model i i follow it unfailingly 
I follow it as loyal. I have as much loyalty as the, to the model as a New England a New Englander New Englander does to Tom Brady. Those guys will do anything for Tom Brady. Even now, they'll buy a Tampa Bay sports package to watch a guy. I'm the same. Way, I'm the same <laughs> way with the model where I, I just say, listen. I never, ever, ever say no to the model. I never, ever use my gut. And because we, when most people's exposure to using your gut, you think of March Madness. People fill out their brackets. All the eight, nine seeds, what do you do? I know for me, it's always Providence is an 11 seed. Uh, they're not going to win probably, but do I say yes to them? Do I pick them? And it, we all, we've all done it where a team loses on a buzzer beater in March Madness, and the first thing is like, why did I pick them? Oh, my breath. It kills oh, yeah. you. And oh, yeah. I eliminate that emotion. And it so I have no shoulda, woulda, couldas, it, which is great because when I – so many people, when I tell them what I do, they start telling me their gambling stories. And they're always rooted with a the pain they were having when oh, I had lost a game or something like that. And you can tell it they, they had regret. When I pick a bad game, I don't have regret because it's just how it happens. I mean, in baseball, you can have regret. If you play baseball... You're going to have regret about, oh, I should have located that pitch better or whatever. But sometimes you, sometimes it's just you get beat and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't complain. And that's how I view it. And some interesting ways, because the thing is, how do you trust a model? And the one of the most interesting things that stood out to me when I simulated the 2018 season, the Red Sox that year, they won 107 or 108 games. They won the World Series. They were phenomenal and Baltimore was equally horrific one of the worst teams of the past 50 years and that season Boston played Baltimore 19 times in those 19 games the Red Sox won 17 of them they only lost to Baltimore twice my model only predicted Baltimore to win once and it was one of those two times that they did in fact win yeah, and that that was one where I saw that and I said, okay, I would I have ever sat there without a model? Would any of us have ever sat there and say, yeah, I'm gonna, but I feel good about Baltimore today. It, I don't, I don't think it was gonna happen. <laughs> and that, and that's the thing is, I saw that, and I had another one. It was last July, and I wasn't yet betting on the games with actual money, but this was when I was tweeting out my picks, so I was putting a personal stake in what was happening and so this is halfway through the season and in the american league east in first place were the yankees in second place was tampa bay and then in last place was baltimore and in fourth place was toronto and on a specific day the model is said hey pick last place baltimore to beat second place tampa and beat fourth place toronto to beat first place new york both in the same day and I immediately questioned it, especially because I had just rolled this thing out. I started looking at all the calculations saying, all right, what's something's wrong. There, normally there was something wrong in the first few days and I, I couldn't figure it out. Nothing looked bad. And I said, all right, I guess, I guess they're going to win. And they both won. And, and, and that was, <laughs> and after that, especially that was when I said, all right, 
like, let it fly, man. Just let it fly. If it says so, do it. Because I've had people on my Twitter. There was one time, I think it was, oh, what was it? I think the, the Giants had won 17 of their last 18 games, something crazy. And I picked against them. And someone on my Twitter is like, why would you do that? And I really wanted to say, I don't know why I would, but the computer said so. So I did. <laughs> but but I, and you know what? The Giants <laughs> lost that day. And I, it, I just have things like that, that it defies what convention would normally tell us what to do so much that I, I, ne- I don't, when the model has a bad day and it happens, it always will happen. I, but I don't, I don't get despair. I don't think I need to tear it apart. I, it, it's just say, sometimes you flip a coin, you're going to get heads 10 times in a row but most times he won't. And I'm counting on the fact that it won't. So, yeah. Wow. So what, 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 uh, and I'm sure you can remember what, what's your best day and worst day I, with your model? There's a few, there's a few categories of it. I would say the worst pick I ever had, I predicted the Oakland A's to beat someone. And I don't remember who I predicted the Oakland A's to I, they had a set, they had over a 70% chance of winning, if not 75% chance of winning, which is very high. It's, it's already considered pretty aggressive when a team is over a 60% chance of winning in my model, let alone 75. Well, Oakland lost, I think 20 to one that day. That was the worst that like objectively in terms of how wrong I was, that was by far the worst one. But the thing is when, when I, <laughs> but I'm betting on anywhere from, depending on how many games there are that day, I could be betting on 13 games in a day. So if you have one game go bad, that's fine. I have other ones that prop me up as far as, as far as really good days. I, I mentioned when I first started publishing my picks, I went eight and oh one day that, but I ne- I didn't have money on the, on that. I didn't have money going that day. I wasn't yet betting. So I couldn't claim that as my actual best day. But my best day, I think it was September 17th. I picked nine games and I went nine and oh. And now the thing is, normally on Twitter, I don't, I would tell what my picks are, but I wouldn't really post pictures of my betting slips just because it was a lot of work. And what am I doing? Flooding people's Twitter feeds with betting slips. It's, it's not necessary, but I did it occasionally just to prove to people, Hey, I am, I am. Or, if, if I were you, I would totally do that. Anyway, well, dude, here's the thing. It's a pain because I'm working with four different betting apps and I have to screenshot and do all this crap and whatever. But the thing, so one day I just said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to show my picks these days. So you can see on the betting slips, I was betting $2,100 a game, nine games. That was the day I went nine and oh, I made $17,000 that day because I also had a parlay in there. And the last game, it was the Dodgers over the Tampa Bay Rays, and it ended at whatever, 1.30 in the morning. And because normally when I – here's the thing. When I bet on games, I don't sit there and watch them beginning to end because no amount of me watching the games are going to change the outcome. And if there's – you think about it. If there's games at 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I would have to be sitting in front of a TV watching baseball for 12 hours a day every day. And it, it – it's not healthy because um, it, you're it's kind of the same vein where if you have a 401k, you shouldn't really look at what the stock market is doing at all hours of the day. It's kind of better the 
let sleeping dogs lie and go about your day and do something else to distract yourself. And I would do the same. I'd go for a bike ride. I'd lift weights. I'd play a little bit of Zelda, you know, watch, watch some TV. <laughs> Just and normally I would start paying attention around the fifth inning. I don't occasionally I'd sneak a pick. Yeah, I'd look, but I didn't worry about it too much. So on that day, yeah, I started looking around the fifth inning, and I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, wow, it, a lot of these are going well right now. And maybe only one or two teams are losing. And then the <laughs> game started ending, and I'm thinking, I'm 4-0 right now. That's And when I, if I were to start out 4-0 in a day, I would tell myself, okay, if I went 500 the rest of the way, I'd be profitable today. That's pretty good. I'd always view things as a, as a negative, uh, you know, what's the worst that could happen. And the thing was that I kept winning and I started, then I started watching the games like crazy. And the last one ended at one thirty, and I don't know, I called my mom and she, for some reason she was up. It's like, Hey mom, I made 17,000 today. <laughs> But the, now the thing was, though, I did lose. I did lose a lot of it the next day. But that was also my best week because I made ten grand in total that week. Uh, another, this is a crazy stretch that I always thought was interesting. On it was mid September, there was a day I made twelve thousand dollars. Awesome! I'm all about that. The next day, I lost eleven thousand eight hundred dollars. So. And that's a day, Holy listen, smart. I say that you don't take the losses hard, but that was one where I ordered a large pizza and ate the whole thing. Fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> one of those nights. <laughs> and the thing was, the next oh, day, man. the model, I, the next day, the model, based on how I set it up, it told me to bet. It was the most money I ever bet in one day. It was 29000 $720 I wagered in that one day. This is the man who got a tipped a bag of nickels for dropping off McDonald's a week ago. <laughs> and and I bet that much money in one day, and it was Friday the 13th. <laughs> and I just lost $11,000 the night before. And I was kind of nervous <laughs> just because am I playing with fate a little too much right now? But but I, I don't even remember what happened that day. I didn't lose money. I made enough that I was okay with it. But those are, those are the ones that stick out to me the most. Otherwise, it's, it's the same thing how, I mean, do you remember every single baseball game you played your sophomore year of high school? You, you don't. Eventually, your memories, you remember the, the standout ones. And that's kind of, I guess I, guess I yeah. should say, there is one other bad game. I bet on the Mets the day that they blew a six-run lead in the ninth inning to the Washington Nationals. Uh, I know my bit, one of my biggest fans is Jeff Payne, so sorry. We shared in that heartbreak together that day. <laughs> He's a big Mets fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, J- Jacob, or, or should I call you Mr. Carrier, um, it, is, it has been a, a pleasure again having you on. I really appreciate – you know, your, your time, because I like, like you said, you're dipping into DoorDash <laughs> profits today, but um, I appreciate you, you being on the podcast today and hopefully we can, we can have many more stories because I, I know we got a lot to, to get through with you. So hopefully we have uh, some more stories to hear from yeah. you in the, in the next I, couple weeks. Man. And I, I take pleasure in telling people this because I think it's important that people, they, they have an understanding of if you want to do it right, this is how you should do it. 
Because the last thing is, I don't want people to get, I don't want people to listen to my story and think they can take shortcuts and get to the the way I'm doing things. It there there has to be a level of grace and responsibility amidst all the chaos, which I'm happy to share. But hey, I do got a DoorDash, so thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bases Loaded podcast, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bases Podcast. Thanks.